Howdy, folks. For your safety, be sure to stay seated, keeping your hands, arms, feet, and legs inside the train, and be sure to watch your kids. If any of you folks wear enhancer glasses, best remove them, because this here's the wildest podcast in the wilderness. I swear, I think you did that already. I think, oh, for Bambi, it was Mind Train Through Nature's Wonderland, wasn't it? Mate, I can't remember. It's all right. If we did it twice, it's fine. Um, yeah. I think my <laughs> I think my impression might have gotten a little better. Yeah, it did. Oh no, it definitely did. Okay, that's and good. And plus, the uh, opening for this one is much more fitting to what we just reviewed. We did have a couple folk tales in this one. That oh yeah. From the American West, pretty much. Uh, yes. Hello. It's Animusing with your two favorite people and a dog. Hi. And Gracie says hi too. So I'm David. I'm Kayla. And Gracie can't... Well, Gracie, can you say something? Nah, not really. She's not very talkative when we want her to be. And uh, holy moly, we are at film five of the package films. Yep. We are almost done. I'm very excited about this. You have no idea. (laughs) It feels like we've been here for five months. (laughs) (laughs) Not to mention throwing in a couple extras, you know, Song of the South and all that. Yeah, I'm not gonna lie, the extras have been a great break from the package films. I agree. Just having a a feature with a consistent plot running all the way through it gives us a lot more to work with in terms of, like, analyzing the story. So this has been a weird dry spell for us. It hasn't... It's not that I haven't enjoyed the shorts. No, no, but, like, it feels... It's like short story after short story after short story, and then uh, trying to analyze something that's only like 10 minutes long Yeah, can be kind of tricky. It's true. And I apologize, by the way, for if the space sounds odd. Uh, we, due to uh, us having to temporarily move out of our apartment, we are in a different location to record this. Uh, nothing serious, just some water damage uh, from a rain. And uh, luckily, we'll be able to move back in probably closer to May. Mm-hmm. So for the time being, we're just going to record from here and uh, you know just get as much accomplished as possible. Um, that being said, though, so today's uh, film we are covering is Melody Time. Yes, uh, this film came out in on uh, May twenty seventh, nineteen forty eight. Hmm. So, and. Yeah, I'm not gonna lie. The history is there's not much history to this one. It's kind of like the same as the other ones. Uh, Walt wanted to do package films because um, it were they were very cheap to make and were able to bring in a profit. Mm-hmm. So this is what happened with this one. So do you think there's not as much to talk about historically with this one because? It's not as well documented as, say, Fun and Fancy Free was? No, or? no, it's not. It, it's nothing like that. It's just, it, it's kind of, the history is basically the same as some of the other ones. Just, we uh, we lost money because of World War II, and we're trying to gain it back because, through the package films, because they're cheap to make. It definitely sustained uh, the studio, and it, without oh, these yeah. package films, we might not have Got, we might not get some of the later films we've already gotten. If you haven't been with us for this whole journey through the, the package films so far, I recommend going back to Saludos Amigos where it starts. Mm-hmm. Just to re, just to recap, uh, the package films include Saludos Amigos, um. Three Caballeros. Three, ca- did Three Caballeros come immediately after Saludos? Yes. Okay, that's right. And then, Mel- uh, Make Mine Music. Then. Uh, Fun and Fancy Free. Fun and Fancy Free. And now we're at Melody Time. And then there's one more after this, and then we'll finally get to our first feature-length film after a very long while, Cinderella. Cinderella. I look so forward to that. <laughs> you have no idea. Um, what are your initial thoughts on... Well, I mean, we can talk about the history or who was involved in this one in a bit, uh, but I want to know what your initial just kind of impressions of this film were. Had you seen uh, Melody Time before? Um, Not in its whole... But I've seen a lot of the shorts that are in there. Same. Like, I think this one probably has the most shorts that have been played on their own. Mm-hmm. Independently. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting because they're like, oh, yeah, I've seen that one. I've seen that one. I know that one, too. Wow. Yes. Um, I, I have no doubt that they've been played on Disney Channel a bunch of times. But I swear I saw one of them. Uh, on, um, a, well, okay, I grew up in, uh, the Portland area when I was a kid, and one of the, the 
access shows, cable access shows that I watched was the Ramblin' Rod show, and he would play cartoons, like, that were in the public domain or were easy to get. And one, I swear one of them is, was, I watched it through that TV show. Which one was the one that jumped out to you? Oh, for, in terms of, like, the The, the one that you, no, the, I mean, the one that you thought you saw on the Ramblin' Rod show. Yeah, uh, that would be Once Upon a uh, Winter Time. That's a great segue, yes. because that happens to be our first uh, <laughs> our first short. Although, it should be said, uh, the usual nine old men are involved in this. The opening credit sequence has, you know, I I kind of miss, you know, watching these again reminds me, I actually miss opening credit credit sequences in movies. Yeah, I it's the one great thing about this uh, in terms of the um, layout or the frame, it's a very consistent frame. Yeah, that's true. So it, they begin with like doing uh, the song Melody Time, but it's all painted, and it follows this thing where every story begins with a paintbrush painting the scene or painting out the uh, credits, preparing mm-hmm. us for each story, and I love that. It, it gives it consistency. Yep. And this is actually one of the few that, like, in terms of all of the... Um, Package films, this one feels the most, uh... Cohesive? I'm not cohesive. Well, I would say, like, each... I mean, it's called Melody Time. The focus is, they said, is basically these are all, um, uh, shorts that connect with songs. And I feel like this one does more so than uh, Make My Music did. You know, I think that's a fair assessment, because, um... I mean, I'd have to go back and sort of remind myself what happened and make my music, but I think that's pretty true. I think there, there, it, were there more, um, shorts this time around in this one too? It seemed like there were more than there were in Melody Time, for example. I feel or, like that's the or case. Or you mean make my music? Oh, yes. I mean, make my music. There, Melody Time and make my music are different films and we, are doing Melody Time, but make my I, music. That actually, was before. I think this is actually, sh- there's less of them. Really? Yeah. Oh, yeah, because in Melody Time... This is Melody This is me- I'm going to have that problem this whole episode. I'm so <laughs> sorry. In Make My Music, we had a few uh, shorts that were... Um, well, I mean, it's like comparing apples to oranges. I don't know. Anyway, <laughs> I'm, like, I'm like trying to think in my head what it, which one did it better. Yeah. Stuck to the mission statement, but I think, I think you might be right. I think you might be right. Although, although Make My Music did have Peter and the Wolf, which is a very good segment. Yes, yes. Um, uh, so the idea behind this one is that, uh, while the shorts contrast in length, form, and style, the common thread is they're each accompanied by songs from musician and vocalists of the 40s, both popular and folk music. Yep. Um, and that's uh, the idea behind them. In terms of actually syncing up with the music that they're doing, I think that's where it, it is strong. Um, and uh, I feel like it's kind of the Fantasia effect again. And if it's like when you think about it, a lot of these package films, especially the last three that we watched, including mm-hmm. this one, are about you know, stories that have to do with music pretty heavily. Not as much with Fun and Fancy Free. That's true. Not as much with Fun and Fancy Free. Because the, the first story, uh, uh, bon- uh, Bongo, mm-hmm. uh, had did have more music, but I not really Mickey and the Beanstalk, though. That's actually true. But yeah, this is this is a little more consistent. So it, it matches up better with Make Mine Music. Um, mm-hmm. But anyway... Uh, once upon a winter time. I was segueing into that earlier, and then I got sidetracked. This is going to happen a lot. So this short, uh, the sh- so the the writers behind it are Bobby Wirth and Ray Gilbert, and the performer for the music of Once Upon a Winter Time is Francis Langford. Francis. And this is actually a a very lovely piece. Um, I th- there's a simplicity in the animation. Mm-hmm. It. I would say it takes place during, like, it's t- turn of the century? Or? Uh, yeah, I'd say turn of the century. Um, and, uh, you know, to describe it very simply, uh, boy and girl go ice skating after riding in a carriage. And they're joined by rabbits who parallel everything they do mm-hmm. to rabbit, a rabbit couple. Um, and in some, and there's a song, you know, one, the song Once Upon a Winter Time goes along with it, with the singing. 
but then things go a little bit awry when first the 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 boy and the uh, and the rabbit start showing off to their significant others and end up getting them angry and they start stalk away there's some good comedic bits involving all the levels of skirt on the girl which is pretty funny you know like when she's walking away after it's all flared up and there's she's got like petticoats underneath it and then as she gets up like each skirt falls one after one after one but she's she's still walking away in a huff while it's happening (laughs) and the music is very like pizzicato strings and it was like and each skirt kind of falls down with each one (laughs) it was pretty it's a neat little visual gag Uh, it's instant heartbreak of course but then because they're both so mad, this rabbit and the the female rabbit and the woman, uh, they walk onto thin ice. And uh, of course, it's the the male rabbit who ruins everything because he jams the thin ice sign into this the ice because he's so mad and it breaks the lake up. And suddenly, it's not a lake; it's a raging torrent-filled river that is carrying our on um, ice flows with our hapless heroines on it toward a waterfall. Our the our male hero. And male rabbit try to save them, end up not doing so. Through more comical skating stunts yeah. that end up... Yeah, and then deus ex horses and animals actually uh, save the the lady rabbit and the heroine. And... The, yeah, those horses were great. Yeah, they're like, yeah, we gotcha. And then they, it turns out they're all... they. I don't know, I'm not sure if the ladies thought that the... Men did it or not, but at the end they end up saying. Well, they Hi, they, they were they were unconscious for part of it because like they see the waterfall first. The the woman sees the waterfall and she faints and just collapses on the ice flow. And then the the female rabbit is jumping around and she gets on the same ice flow as the woman as it's going to tip over the falls. She looks down, sees it, faints herself. So they're both lying on this ice flow while they're being rescued, and then they only regain consciousness after they get p- tossed onto the same snowbank where. Um, the other two, the, the males have had their pratfall into the snow and I guess they think they rescued them. So the horses get no credit. Mm-hmm. They think the incompetent males saved them, but it was those two horses and several other, uh, woodland animals. <laughs> it's, it's pretty. It's definitely a pretty piece. Mm-hmm. I like it. Um, I noticed the backgrounds. Uh, the first thing that jumped out to me was I, I, they're, I seemed like they were aiming for a Christmas card feel. Yeah, the whole thing. Th- that's how I thought too. Um, and I, which that's why I, it, I thought it was something from the Ramblin' Lorad show because that would be something they would play. Mm-hmm. Is that something that had like a Christmas card feel or something that felt kind of Americana? Yeah. Um, there's a lot of stuff involving snowflakes and sort of the shape of snowflakes and the trees are all bent in a certain way and completely white. I noticed when, uh, when everything goes wrong and the ice breaks up and they start drifting down river, everything takes on a much more sinister, hectic tone. Yeah. The trees are suddenly li- backlit and they're in black and the sky is like a uh, kind of hellish green, mm-hmm. but it's dark at the same time. It's it's pretty funny. Yeah. I think it's a nice piece. It's definitely, it, it's, an, it, it's an enjoyable one. It's not like the best, mm-hmm. but I I don't hate it either. It's 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 actually, I enjoy watching it. This is, yeah, I liked it too. I, uh, I, this is also one of the ones I'd seen outside of this, uh, you know, one aired on the, uh, uh, I think I presume the Disney Channel. That's where I saw yeah. it. Yeah. Lots of cute little gags. Uh, not a ton to talk about with it. Um, what was our next short? Our next short is actually the Bumble Boogie, uh, which is, um, I, I want to say this correctly. So the music that's used is the Flight of the Bumblebees by Nikolai Rimsky-Korosov and it's a more swing jazz version played by Freddie Martin and his orchestra and Jack Fina on the piano. He also arranged the piece as well. Interesting. And uh I like this one a lot and cuz like um there it feels a lot like Fantasia, but there is a reason for it. Uh, Walt Disney originally had the idea for this kind of piece in Fantasia, but it was one of the several ones that were cut. It was going to be probably just the normal Flight of the Bumblebee, huh? Yeah. Yeah. And, okay. And, and funny enough, like, uh, I mean, you know how this is done by popular musicians where Fantasia is uh, classical music? Yep. I think this is 
I mean, this is really the only, the closest to having a classical song in it. That's true. It did feel the most Fantasia. Well, it did kind of, that and Trees yeah. felt the most Fantasia-like. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I like this one too, though. Um, I, I actually like this one more than Once Upon a Wintertime, but it's not because Once Upon a Wintertime is bad. Uh, Bumble Boogie is much more surreal, and I love that stuff. And mm-hmm. they, they use surreal... Uh, the surreal images to their advantage. Basically, it's about a bumblebee that's uh, got stuck in this kind of musical, surreal world, and he's just trying to escape. And he basically is... It's all in tune to Flight of the Bumblebees, as as mentioned before. And he gets, like, caught by these... Like, the lines from um, music sheets or uh, piano keys that turn into... Like snakes that come after him. It's very fascinating to watch, and it's very colorful and bright, and it's a lot of fun. It's all timed really nicely with the music too, which is great. And you know, it's like it's interesting because it's a it's an abstract piece, and it kind of reminded me like more so than Fantasia. It kind of reminded me of like the next logical step from After You've Gone from Make My Music. Mm-hmm. Because um, it's still abstract, but you got characters running frantically from one scene to the next. And this time there's one focal character. It's this bee who's the only sane bee in an insane yeah. world. So. I just. Um, that's that's the only reason I, I enjoyed it more than our first one, but that's because I, I love that stuff. I love surreal stuff. Yeah, it was very cool. They could tell the animators had fun with it, honestly. Well, it's some good bits. With this one, actually, uh, actually with. Um, uh, melody time. Mm-hmm. Walt Disney basically let his animators um, basically have free reign with this one. That might explain the overall quality of the shorts, to be honest. Yeah. And I actually think that on the whole, presentation-wise, uh, this is better than Fun and Fancy Free, oh. for example. Oh, yeah. I know we're not... We, we've said previously we're not... We're both not crazy about Fun and Fancy Free, despite how much we enjoy uh, Mickey and the Beanstalk, that mm-hmm. section. Um, but yeah... Uh, following that... Uh, we have Johnny Appleseed. Oh, yeah. This one, um, I've seen this before, mm-hmm. you've seen it before, mm-hmm. I it's, <laughs> I think it's one of those shorts a lot of people have seen before. The amount of Oregon Trail jokes you were cracking during uh, it. So... Get on the wagon going west, die of dysentery. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's waiting across the street, it was like, what we didn't see was him losing six oxen trying to ford the river. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god because the whole idea is um i mean johnny appleseed is a religious man who picks apples and uh grows apples etc the lord is good to me and so i thank the lord yeah this is actually one of the few religious pieces that you see in a it, it's yeah it's very it's very on the nose like he he's christian he's got a bible he sings about how he's received god's blessings and yeah um you know i i don't think it's like if you're someone who's like not Christian, I don't think it's like offensive or anything. No, no, not at all. It's just it, like it's just like it's it's very positive. I find it also funny, like a okay. So uh, there's a point where he sees all these people going west and in their um uh in their wagons and such, and he wants to be a part of it, but he feels he's too weak and doesn't have much. But then is presented by his guardian angel, and they do say he's a guardian angel. But the funny part is he looks like a red-headed Davy Crockett who's just, who's like... It's the ghost of Daniel Boone. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> he's like, he's like a foot taller than Johnny Appleseed and has this amazing voice, like... What cracked me up is while we were going, uh, uh, we, we do this all the time to each other, but, uh, the narrator's going like, yep, it was his guardian angel, to which Caleb was just like... That's a ghost. Yep. Guardian angels do look like that. That's a ghost. <laughs> it's just like it's just straight up a ghost. It's haunting Johnny Appleseed. Yep. So he his guardian angel encourages him to go west and said, um, "It's it's your destiny. You um, you can grow apple seeds throughout as you travel along." And God literally wants you to plant forbidden fruit all over the unclaimed territories of the Western United States. He's from Pittsburgh, by the way. We know that his apple orchard is just outside of Pittsburgh, which is interesting. Yeah, that was an interesting thing to hear. Like, oh, cool. Um, <laughs> well, I mean, it's interesting because when you first, when they first open the short, you see, like, the apple blossom sky. That's a big deal. By the way, who 
Um, who oh. was the voice in this one? Because that was another thing. Okay, um, uh, Dennis Day. He played pretty much every vocal character. He, he was yeah. both John Chapman, which is Johnny Appleseed's real name, and, or the figure that, that Johnny Appleseed is based off of, mm-hmm. and uh, the angel. Exactly. Um, and that's really the only two voices you mm-hmm. hear. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is the only two voices you hear. Yep. Um, and then, uh, yeah, and he's the one singing and all that. Uh, but yeah, I was the the thing about Pittsburgh that jumped out to me is he's talking about the apple blossom sky, but in the background you see a bunch of factories on the other side of the river spewing smoke into the air. Yeah. But then, which gives us a nice little let's go back in time a little bit to before Pittsburgh was the pits. <laughs> okay, for anyone that lives in <laughs> Pittsburgh. Uh, it's the pits. No. no, I've been to Pittsburgh once. It's actually. Really I've actually nice. never been to Pittsburgh. I know the. I know the pirates are from there. Yeah, and it, I like pirates. <laughs> it's an actually nice city. I I enjoyed walking. Okay, so now Detroit on the other. No, it's, <laughs> I've never been to Pittsburgh or Detroit. It's I, just I just have I, I I relish opportunities to do dumb unfunny puns <laughs> to cities. Uh, anyway, so. Yeah, Angel's like, you gotta go west. Go west, young Chapman. And Johnny says, yeah, wait, no. And then he gets a pot on his head and he becomes a pothead. And then he he leaves and David's like, wait, what about his uh, his um, apple farm? And I said, it doesn't matter. God wants him to go. <laughs> his apple farm was taken up by some other tall tale hero. Yep. <laughs> So, uh, Johnny Appleseed travels, and he finds this, like, this land that he's like, I can build apples here. He literally builds apples out of balsa wood and red paint. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Well, there's animals already living there, and they're like, what is this? Who is this human? How dare he encroach, encroach upon our lands? He didn't have a gun. He didn't have a sword, or what was it? It was no. He had no gun and no knife. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Um, and so they're like, "Who's going to tell him to get out of here?" And then they see the skunk appear, and they're like, "Oh!" Flower comes waddling along, and he looks kind of dumb. And they point out how he's not too. They never call him a skunk. They straight. He's just a black and white cat. Yeah, they keep saying there's a black and white cat. The past five, it's like it's obviously a skunk. The skunk is the best part of this short. Yeah, he's great. The, I love the way his little walk is consistent. It's like this little trot skip thing that's kind of like ba-doop, 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 and the music goes along with it, which is perfect. Yeah, there's a point he he starts following kind of Johnny along. He's like, "What is this? What's going on?" And then I, uh, he. Uh, uh, is seen like what is he making? What is he building? And then, um, doesn't he? I forgot what happened. Like he accidentally gets hit, or uh. Oh no! He well he yeah uh he's dig he digs one of the seeds out of the hole and eats it. And then Johnny's like pounding the dirt down. He doesn't notice this. He doesn't even smell it. He just yeah. he accidentally pounds the skunk's head into the hole in the ground. He gets his head stuck. And then skunk's like. Looking kind of pissed, ready to... I'm going to spray you. I'm going to do it. And then he starts petting the kitty. He starts... <laughs> and he gets a total just like, ah, look on his face. And he's he turn, he then he really turns into flower. Yeah, and then he's rubbing his belly. And it's like, this is so cute. He's like a doggy. And then all the animals are become his friends. And from that point forward, uh, Johnny has animal friends. Now... Obviously, like a co- another short happening in here, this is a very whitewashed version of history. Uh, we, you know, talking about the claiming of the land and spreading out and the settlers going in. And that's all well and good. So there, and- there's a point Johnny Appleseed's looking upon this town. He's much older now and, uh. He's got a pretty righteous beard. Yes, he does. He has an amazing beard. <laughs> and, um, this town has basically. Uh, is basically doing like an apple festival, like cooked everything that's apple, and that sounds amazing. Um, but they're having a like uh, a square a, dance, a square dance, which I swear they just use the same uh, dancing from uh, Make My Music for from the the first uh, show. Uh, the Hatfields and the Coys. Yeah, or no, the Hatfields, the Martins and the Coys. Yes. No, I almost, I almost did the actual name of the two I know. families. Yeah, the, the Martins and the Coys. Yeah, it was pretty much the same stuff, except uh, there's a couple random 
Native American stereotypes in there. Yeah, and they're... Caricatures in there. And they're dancing along with them, and it's just... It's trying to say, like, people were being civil. Everybody was getting along great, and everyone was being civil with their neighbors. There's a there's an old woman... There's an older, like, Native woman nearby with a papoose who's standing near the uh, the guy who's calling the hoe down. And, it's, uh... I mean... It's all right. It's not, like, offensive, but, of course, like, any time... Not that it needs to be. It's part of... But, like, you know... There's a little bit of that tall collar tugging for now, like, like mm, 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 mm. but it's okay. I mean, everybody seemed to be getting along, at least in this universe, they seem to be getting along. Yeah. But although, only it was really like that. Although while we're watching it, it's like, God, apple pie sounds so good. And like, they, they got like apple tarts and <laughs> apple jacks. Wait, those don't taste like apple. <laughs> apple pickles. I'm like, what? What the hell is an apple pickle? I have no idea. I gotta look that up at some point. Is it just pickled apples? Yeah. So, um, uh, this is all mainly done by music, by the way. Like, mm. the talking is very short. It's mostly singing. Uh, it's re- mostly narrated, too. Yeah. The reason I bring this up is because, uh, this is, this I found the mo- most interesting. So, the music is, uh, composed by Ken Darby. And when he, uh, showed the music for Donnie Appleseed to Walt Disney, he scorned it saying, it sounds like that New Deal music, to which Darby shouts back, that is just a cross-section of one man's opinion. <laughs> and uh, he wasn't at the studio much long after that. Oh, yeah. man. Wow. You do not cross Walt. Well, I mean, look what happened when during the... Uh... Oh, the writer's strike. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's that... right. That's right. Wow, okay. Um, mm. It's funny because... New Deal music. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Although, uh, so one person had a bad uh, feel about him, but and actually there there was compliments from other people later on for this, but I'll tell you later uh, in the next section. But Okay. Uh, with um, this one, I, I, it's funny how it ends because he's like this old man and he's passed away... Under the apple tree. And then, um... <laughs> Daniel Boone's ghost comes back. And he's like, come on, we're gonna go. He's like, oh, great, let me get my bag. Wait, what's going on? And he, he jumps out of his own body. And looks and sees, I did, no! <laughs> and he's like, well, we need apple trees in heaven. Well, why don't you say so? And they head up to, they walk up to go plant apple trees in heaven. And so whenever you see all, like, uh, all these big white clouds... That are f- as fluffy as possible. Those aren't clouds. They're apple trees in blossom. Ju- they're Jesus's apple orchard trees, just for Jesus and mm. no one else. <laughs> I okay for the despite the jokes make, it is a very well drawn piece. I like it a lot. The um, I mean, despite what Walt thought, I genuinely do like the music in this. It's very pleasant sounding. I it's actually very really fitting. Yeah, the, the, it's, there's me- the the motifs are like memorable in terms of the music. Mm-hmm. The one that they keep using that always sticks out is the you know get on the wagon rolling west. Mm-hmm. That one's that one sticks out. Um, but yeah, no, it's a good it's a good short. I like it. I think it's I think it has um, I think it has some good moments. Mm-hmm. Um. It's got some funny bits. It's got some bits that are actually really beautiful to watch. Uh, the background reminds me a lot of Once Upon a Winter Time, but it's less card-like and more like it has that folktale quality to it, like oh, the way yeah. it looks, uh, which is interesting because I think that style gets emulated in eventually in uh, Ichabod and Mr. Toad with Sleepy Hollow. Like the backgrounds remind me a lot of Sleepy Hollow. Heck, even the way the people are animated reminds me a lot of Sleepy Hollow. Yeah. But we will get to uh, Sleepy Hollow. In the next one. next month, actually. Yes. Yes, I'm so excited. Okay, let's let's get this over with so you can go to the next one. <laughs> so the next short actually is Little Toot. Um, this one is a uh, rude. If you, well, at least you let me know. Oh wait, the tugboat. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I am really going for the low hanging fruit here. Hey! hey! Don't you mean the low hanging apple? Hey! That was hey! 
So, uh, so uh, this is a saying narrated by the Andrew sisters, and actually, they said that Walt was quite a gentleman when he worked when they worked with him. I like the Andrew sisters. They're I think the all the shorts they've been in before have consistently been pretty good musically. Yeah, and I, agree. I like this one a lot. This is this might be one of my favorite shorts on the in on the uh, collection. To be honest, oh really? Book. I just there's it's 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 cute. It's fun. I think this is what. Um, uh, this is another one I'd seen before, by the way. Same here. I've seen it outside of uh, this film before, mm-hmm. um, but it 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 feels like a better version of um, oh, what was the one about the plane? Oh, Pedro. Yeah, this feels like a better told um, uh, like I think I can story. Mm-hmm. Much more than Pedro. I, I agree. So, uh, the segment Little Toot actually is uh, an adaptation of a popular children's story. Uh, it was created by um, Hardy Gramotti, Gramotti, and it was created in 1939. Now, oh, okay. Now, here's the funny part. Um, you got to remember, this was uh, made in 1948. So, unlike other works that they did that were in the public domain, this was not. Well, I noticed the specific copyright notice sort of, like, crediting oh, yeah. the original work in the opening credits. Well, he was still alive, too. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, Gramaki, yeah, he was still alive. Yeah, I figured. So, um, uh, this one is basically about a tugboat who, uh, he's young, so he likes to mess around and have fun. But uh, his fun takes it too far and ends up getting a... A cruise ship. Oh, the humanity! Basically, he causes the Poseidon adventure to happen. He crashes the. It's it's interesting because you were watching. It's like, oh, this is cute, and he's like messing up, being silly, and then it's like, oh no, what's gonna happen? The cruise ship or whatever crashes into New York City, like the actual dock and all that. I'm like, jeez. Yeah, he's he's trying to help his dad. His dad is a big tugboat and pulls ships in, into and out of New York Harbor. Mm-hmm. And um, he wants to be like his dad, but he's goofing around. And after he has a close call with a police boat, mm-hmm. which is very scary looking police boat with a cannon and everything, he's just like, well, I'm going to take this seriously and I'm going to help dad. So he pushes on the back of the cruise liner, but of course the back of it is where the, the rudder is. So it starts spinning. It spins the, yeah. And, and the ship spins out of control. There's a lot of... Z- Dutch angle zoom ins on different parts of the ship as everybody panics, and it straight up knocks over several buildings and makes a big mess of the harbor. Mm-hmm. And the next thing we see is Little Toot being arrested and dragged out twelve yeah! miles to sea by in chains by the police boats. And it's just like wow, he and he's a kid, so it's like, jeez. But how many people died due to his negligence? That's <laughs> that the is, main thing. That's true. Yeah. So he he's left. 12 miles out to sea, and then there's... Oh, and his dad has been... has been His honor has been... Sh- his honor is gone, and uh, mm-hmm. he he has to pull a garbage... Uh, a garbage scow. Basically, yeah. a garbage barge. And because Little Toot has basically brought shame. You brought on- dishonor on this family! <laughs> wait, wait, we haven't gotten to Mulan yet. Not yet, but... Uh... Oh, That's but much later. I will say one fun crossover. I swear, so there, Little Toot has a little seagull friend who follows him. Oh, around. yeah. It's, I'm, I swear, Whitey the Seagull has the worst <laughs> luck picking friends. Because it's, it's I, I'm not, I mean, back me up on this, Kayla. It's the it, same seagull. It, it is. It's Whitey. It looks exactly after, like him. After uh, the whale, after Willie the Whale was killed. He decided to be friends. Decided- he befriended Little Toot. Yep. And now Little Toot is arrested and stuck out at sea and being menaced by scary buoys. That was a weird one. Like, whoa. Although that's kind of cool. Like, uh, the with the waves, they make it seem like arms about to attack him. Like, that's smart. That's actually a very creative way to make them scarier. It was very uh, Snow White and the Seven Dwarves-esque almost when you think about it. Yeah. Like... Yeah, the buoys have horrible faces, and whenever one of them rocks towards him because of a wave with those arms, the Andrew sisters go all in monotone go like, bad boy, shame, shame. <laughs> it's spook. It's actually kind of spooky. Yeah, it is. <laughs> so um, he spots a ship that's stuck and is like, oh, we need to save it. So he SOSs, like actual SOS, SOS, mm-hmm. and all these ships, including his dad, go after him. 
And then little to through storm and rain. There's actually we were talking about this. Uh, there's quite a bit of storms in this uh, one. In the well, yeah, and actually in a lot of package films in general, there's yeah. in a lot of these package films. There's a, there is a moment in at least one of them where there will be a loud and calamitous thunderstorm. Uh, we saw it in Bongo. Uh, was there? One like that and make mine music. I'm like blanking real hard. Well, there was, I mean, Pedro had to go through that. That's true. He did. Okay, that was in, but that was in Saludos Amigos. Yeah, uh, not really in um, Three Caballeros. No, because I mean, they, they, it, it was not something, something that they dealt with. Um, uh, uh, I mean, it's just interesting. Um, I kept thinking of Bambi, but that's mostly because of a later. Uh, a later um, short. Mm-hmm. I think it might be the next one, actually. Yeah. But, uh, but um, through even despite the storm, he is able to bring this ship ashore, and he has brought honor on his family again. It's a cute story. Papa Toot's very proud. Everybody's celebrating. Why are the seagulls really happy that another one of his friends wasn't brutally slain out on the open ocean? <laughs> Jeez. Look, it's it's a tragic story, Willie the Whale. It is. Yeah. Especially since uh, they got a very talented opera singer for that one. They really did. That was a that was a good short. Yeah. So Little Toot's fun. Yeah. I like it. As it's- I'm thinking about it, maybe it's not my favorite, but I do enjoy it. It is one of the ones I like. It's one of the shorts I like best on this one, though. Yeah, I can see that. Mm-hmm. It is actually... it. It's... I, I would say it's mid, mid for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is... I like it. I I do like it. Yeah. All right. The next one is Trees, which doesn't have much of a storyline. This is the obligatory, more abstract piece that's in these packages. It's in a lot of the sort of music-esque ones. It's just a nice homage to Trees with really beautiful multi-pane camera work and animation... um, about nature and lighting and animals and well the the tre- trees is actually a basically a re- recitation of the poem mm-hmm. trees by Joyce Kilmer mm-hmm. and um the music's done by uh, was for the poem is by Oscar Rossbach but the perform it's performed by Fred Waring in his Pennsylvanians so all the trees in Pennsylvania yep all the trees in Pennsylvania. There you go. Again, very lovely piece. It's, uh, there's not much to talk about, but... It doesn't the, really have a story, so... The animation is beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, this is where the rain thing came up. This is where we were talking about oh, there was yeah. a torrential thunderstorm during this bit. Yeah, that's right. And it reminded me so much of Bambi, of that moment from, yeah. that moment from Little April Shower. It is... It's definitely a lovely piece. Mm-hmm. It's beautiful. Yes. <laughs> That was my chef kiss. There's a, mwah. And then, blame it on the samba. Mm. Oh, okay. See, this is one of my favorites, and the reason why is... This is actually... This might actually be my favorite. I mean, except besides from the last one. Yeah, so This I, might be my favorite. Yeah, this is this is uh, my second favorite compared to... I think you and I are in the same page with the last one, but we'll get into that later. Uh, blame it on the samba, uh, which is... Um, uh, Written by Elliot Daniel and Johnny Lange. Or no, sorry. Ernest Nazareth. It's written by Ernest... Er, it is written by Ernesto Nazareth and Ray Gilbert. And is performed by Ethel Smith and the Dinning Sisters. Mm. And actually, Ethel Smith is the one playing the uh, that organ. I thought so. Um, it's so pretty cool. We bring back Donald and Jose Carioca. Yeah, our fr- our good old friends from Yay! the from the two other package films in here, and I'm always happy to see both of them. Same, especially Jose though, because of the three Caballeros, Jose is my favorite. Same, um, um, but then weirdly enough, okay, so the Alcobar. The or- what? No, oh, you, did you did you mess up the name deliberately so he wouldn't show up? Maybe because every time we speak of him, he shows up. Okay. And messes with the podcast. But, uh, I know. Well, let's. We shouldn't. But here's the thing: his voice has changed in this. His one. voice has changed, and it actually sounds. He's actually pleasant. I actually do not mind him at all in this. Yeah, the Arakan bird is not such. A- oh sh- no! Oh! God! 
Hey. Uh, no, we were just complimenting your voice, and you've come back with the old clip. Get out of here. Go back to go back. Go back to three caballeros. Okay. Jeez, sorry about that, everyone. So we only call him that bird. That bird. From now, <laughs> okay. That bird. So that bird actually has a tolerable voice this time around, and, and is that he's actually kind of an actually fun character. Yeah. In this short. It's and with this one, um, he creates trouble and such, but it's a it's it's kind of surreal. But there's a lot of fun music, the dancing. They're they're all dancing, and it just looks like everything. They're all having a fun time. Which, oh yeah. Which isn't really fun one to watch. This is another one that combines live action and animation, which mm-hmm. is seems to be the uh, the staple of uh, Jose and. Uh, Jose and Donald at this point. Oh yeah, they just love to jump into the real world for for segments, and it's gotten it's gotten even more sophisticated. Just in a few moments where they there there's uh where they're we're zooming around the organ. Yeah, and they're actually able to like go behind the organ, and as it's rotating, it's it's really cool. Like uh, it, this is a great segment, and um, although it is kind of odd at the beginning because they're it basically sum it up, they're really blue. They're walking down a, a the All trail. Sad. They are like literally blue, like their color. And then it takes the that bird has to invites them into this like pseudo cafe, and then gets them spiced up with the samba, and then mixes everything together into this huge drink. And in the drink is um, Ethel Smith. Ethel Smith. Thank you. Uh, but she's yeah, she's great in this one. And she seems to be, she does a good job interacting with people that aren't actually there. Yeah. But <laughs> and you can tell she's having fun too. Yeah. And- uh, She's a good organist. Yeah, she is. Yeah. So it, it's yeah, I, I like it because there's kind of a story going on. I love that Donald and Jose Carioca are back, even if they don't talk. The music is is great, and not only that, um, there's also a lot of surreal imagery, which I love. Yeah, the animation is really good and fun, and you could just tell it was uh, good to do. And I'm still wondering what made Donald and Jose so sad. Where's Panchito? Are they walking back from Panchito's funeral? No, no, no. You made that joke during the movie, and I said no. <laughs> Too bad. I'm making it again. We are. I do not accept He's that. He's not here. Where? Where is Panchito? Why There's... are they so sad? It's the only logical conclusion. No, I think they're sad because he had to go back to Mexico. Oh, well, that's a much happier conclusion. Mine, mine... Yeah, wow, I feel bad now. Yeah, you suck. Okay. <laughs> it's okay. He we see we see Panchito later, so it didn't actually happen. I mean, yeah. not in this not in anywhere in here, but but in later like shorts and such yeah. in uh, outside of the movies. Yeah. So um, blame it on the samba. That it's good. Yeah. I will blame my love for this short on the samba. Good. And then also you better apologize to Sade. For suggesting that Panchito is dead. Sade, I'm sorry. Panchito is alive and well. They're just sad because they broke up with him. The band has broken (laughs) up. They're now the two caballeros. And Panchito has returned to Mexico. (laughs) There you go. I made it tragic all over again. Congrats. The band broke up. All right. Uh... Now, the next one... First off, this one is the longest. Mm-hmm. It's my favorite. Um, I l- love the way it's handled. Um, it's so much fun. Uh, but the way it begins, first off, it's the story of Pecos Bill. Pecos Bill! And then this one is written by Elliot Daniel and Johnny Lange. That's where you were. Okay. Sorry. That's okay. And then uh, we begin actually with Roy Rogers and the Sons of the Pioneers. They grab Roy Rogers in this one, which is amazing. Yeah. It, okay, this is weird. So it begins like on a desert and then they're playing like Blue Shadows. I love this part. It's Okay, Blue Shadows is a very lovely song. Right. So it's, it, it is a typical cowboy song. So it it's, fits really well. Yeah. But then we uh, like go in onto like real people. I'm like, oh, what do we got here? And it's a bunch of guys dressed up in fancy fake cowboy outfits. Roy Rogers looks like he just came out of like a rodeo. He looks yeah, but like a rodeo where you don't actually do anything. Yeah, <laughs> because if you're gonna ride a a bucking a bucking bronco or a bull, 
Jeez. You're and, not going to look that good. But then they also have his horse Trigger there with him. It's like, oh, God, this is great. Hi, Trigger. And then, oh, and then of course, we got uh, Luana Patton and uh, Bobby Driscoll. Like, again, they yeah. were the main kids from uh, Song of the South. Um, now, I want to take a moment because I feel like last time I completely spaced on the fact, this is when we were doing Fun and Fancy Free, that uh, Luana was the same girl from Song of the South. I didn't realize it. At we didn't realize time. that, so that was the thing. So now it, it, it sunk in a little later that, like, basically Song of the South basically cemented them as Walt to go to child actors for a while. Yeah. I think Luana, didn't she also in So Dear in My Heart? Both of them are. Both of them are. Okay, see, they were just the go-to kids for a long time. They were stars, man. Oh, yeah. Walt made them famous. So, um, but uh, here, here they are again, and I, I just want to give, I just want to say credit where credit is due. Here's Luana Daniels again. They're back together, doing their thing. And they're cute kids. Um, but then <laughs> they ask about, uh, oh, what's that? It's coyotes. I love it. Why do the coyotes howl like that? And then he's like, well, have you heard Pecos Bill? Who's Pecos Bill? You have never heard of Pecos Bill? What's wrong no, with you? Um, no one ever told us about Pecos Bill. You don't have to be so hard yeah. on us. You I, insensitive. I, I love the fact they're talking about, like, oh, there's adventure and such. And then, okay, and then Bobby, Bobby Driscoll. Is, Go ahead. God, this is when you're this like, oh, man. Disney. <laughs> he actually says, are there engines in it? I'm going to be engines in it. <laughs> Oh boy! Oh, and he says, "Well, I, I well, I could throw in a two or three. and I'm like, "Oh my god, that's another strike against you on this one." Mm-hmm. On this one, I mean, we already had the 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 the, the rep the quote unquote representation in um, oh boy in uh, Johnny Appleseed. So here's the next tall tale one. Uh, of Petco's Bill. It gets worse. Uh, but well, well, yeah. So, you know, with Bobby Driscoll, he's a kid. He don't know much better. He tries to lasso, he tries to lasso, uh, Luana. Which so. Is... <laughs> I am Luana. Oh my. Uh. <laughs> I'm derailing this so much. Yes, so you are. Sorry. So, let's, let's, should we talk? Let's talk. Okay, so Petco's Bill, this one, uh, I've seen this one before plenty of times like you have. Not through Melody Time, but as a short outside. Uh, they mined Melody Time for so many shorts. God, yes. Like, so many. Uh, I think the only ones I hadn't seen elsewhere were Blame It on the Samba and, like, Trees? And yeah. Bum- and, uh, and Bumble Boogie. Same. I think those uh, are those the, are the only, only three, three I'd never seen before. Same here. Wow. And it, it, it's just, like, it, it's amazing how much they get reused. Um, mm-hmm. So, uh, we begin with the story of, uh, 16 kids in a wagon, <laughs> and some poor little baby named Bill gets dropped out of these the wagon. These guys are pro? Okay, these, these are, these are the same, this is probably one of the same wagon families we saw in Johnny Appleseed, <laughs> but this time, going across Texas. By the way, Texas is presented as, like, the biggest thing and the, the most important thing in the universe, because in a really humorous way, because you see all the other states, and they've been pushed <laughs> in the crinkled corners of the U.S. on this map by Texas, which is huge. I... It's like, excuse me, <laughs> Texas is clearly the most important. <laughs> I thought that was funny, too. I was like, I'm like, I hope they're not being serious. I'm like, no, actually, you can see the states are, like, squished. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Everything in Texas is big. So, um... So they're riding... 16 kids in a wagon. No one died of dysentery. Nope. Uh, but Bill apparently almost did, because he, <laughs> he... This baby fell out of the wagon and gets found by a female coyote who raises her as her own son. He yells at coyotes a lot, baby Bill. Yeah. But he, he tried to... He was like, look at all these animals. I'm going to be better than them. And over time, he gets he gets more and more talented with more and more gags, and then eventually, uh, he's he he. I think that the first major event is he rescues a a small baby starving horse from a pack of buzzards out in the the desert near the Pecos River. Yep. And they become fast friends. And the, his horse is named Widowmaker. Yep. Which is interesting because um, that proves true later when you think about it. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I did not think I bring this. so much darkness to this show. Yes, you do. Yes, I do. 
So, um, he grows up and he's the rootinest, tootinest cowboy in the yeah. wild, wild, wild west. west Pecos I So, the, actually, that line is used in um, this short. They call him the rootinest, tootinest cowboy in the Wild West. And I'm like, so, you know, that's probably where they got that. The lyric for that song. Yeah, you know, you know, Pixar lifted that just because they could for Woody's Roundup. Yeah, the Woody's Roundup theme. Um, but yeah, after that, it's a, it's sort of a it gets into the song, which is the Ballad of Pecos Bill, and Bill becomes a cowboy after befriending Widowmaker and has all these tall tale misadventures, explaining how certain things in the states came to be. Like he, well, he rides a um, tornado and. Uh, while he rolls a cigarette. While rolling a cigarette. Actually, uh, some of the later ones uh, have taken out the cigarette. Him smoking a cigarette. Interesting. Because of... Well, yeah, because they're sensitive. Uh, kind of like how we, we didn't get to... We had to find the the Martin and Coist uh, short yeah, originally. Yeah. Um, he also punches a bunch of cattle wrestlers and their teeth, gold teeth fly out. And that's why there's gold in their heels. Yep. And then, uh, uh, he, uh, creates the Gulf of Mexico because there was... He stole California's rain, which yeah. is why we had a drought for so many years. Thanks, Pecos Bill. You son of... Oh, family oh, podcast. Th- there is... Okay, then there is one legend that's... This is the worst one. I'm uh, sorry. Okay. D- d- he's David walking away. Not sure how to handle this. Okay, I'm just going to tell it how it is. Okay. <laughs> a bunch of engines are having a war dance, and they're like... <laughs> and they're all... Bouncing pain. around and, and slopping paint on each other. And then... And Bill just decides to attack them. And that's... And he, they chase him away, and that's why we have the painted desert. Because all their makeup came off. I'm like... Oh... Uh, Disney. Call, and then they call them Redskins, and it's like, they, oh... Uh, it was a... Okay, different time... But even so. Yeah. Even so. Man. I'm assuming that's an actual... They they attempt. They attempt to improve things. Disney tries to rectify things later on with Pocahontas, but that remains to be seen how well they actually do. Oh, um, okay. Actually, before we go on, I'm, uh, I should tell you about uh, the original Pecos Bill. Or not original, but like the, the legend of him. Uh, the character is actually, uh, again, figure of traditional folklore and tall tales. However, it's been in dispute that he might just be, uh, fake lore, which means, uh, he's a recently invented creation by one author who presented him as old age folklore. Oh, interesting. Yeah, uh, because his first appearance was in a 1917 story by Edward O'Reilly. And he claimed that the story of Pegasus Bill was based on a traditional tall tale. But, um, uh, there is no other evidence about Pecos Bill besides this, and they think Edward O'Reilly was the one who created him. He just wanted to make his own tall tale. Yeah. Hmm. So he doesn't really count into, like, the ranks of, say, Paul Bunyan, John Henry. Yeah, exactly. John Chapman, who we just saw. <laughs> yep. Uh, interesting, though. So, yeah, awkwardness of that last bit aside, uh... There's some good, there's some really great comic gags and moments oh, in this yeah. one. Oh, yeah. And is the actually, song is really catchy. Oh, yeah. This is actually genuinely funny. This is a, a lot of fun. I genuinely enjoy this one. It's, it's, it, it, it actually has a cohesive storyline, but the music is very well settled in this. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I don't think he ever talks at all. No, you never hear him talk. He just kind of, he just kind of he, he growls a- and, howls at various points. So he, uh, along the way during his adventures, he finds Slewfoot Sue, and she's riding a catfish? Never explained, by the way. This is part of the the legend that doesn't get touched on much in the story, but she is riding, uh, she's there on the Pecos River riding riding a catfish. Never explained, by the way. And that catfish never returns. (laughs) She's purdy, though. She's purdy. (laughs) She's purdy. So... Uh, he, uh, uh, he uh, romances her and they fall in love and they're gonna get married. He talks about how, it talks about how he actually does his whole Superman thing of like ordering the stars in the sky and comets to like 
arrange themselves so he can do the best, have the best date on the Mesa possible. Yeah. And Widowmaker, meanwhile, is like, oh no, she did it. She stole my man. And he's very sad about it. Yeah. Widowmaker. So one of the things she has to do is ride, uh, like on their wedding day, is ride Widowmaker, who's like, oh no. She she insists on riding Widowmaker to like prove that she's kind of taking his place, and he is gonna be like, no, I'm gonna kill you. <laughs> I'm gonna. You can't ride me. You can't take my my Pecos away from me. They're in this little one horse town, literally, because he's the only horse. Mm-hmm. Um, but she, I mean, for a while, she proves herself. She shows that she can like. Uh, basically is, like, riding him. Like, there's no big deal. But She's then- super calm and confident. She's, like, powdering her face while they're riding. She yawns. And he's he's trying his best to just utterly annihilate her. And he and she's keeping it together pretty well. Yeah. But yeah. then... As she's riding him. Okay, so she's... <laughs> so she's wearing a dress. And at that time, you, they, you have a bustle. So the bustle is, like, bouncing... It's a it's a big wire and rubber bustle. Yeah. There's a, 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 there's a great gag where at the beginning she puts it on, she slaps it, and it bounces really big. Yeah. So she's got that nice sachet as she's walking down the street toward uh, Widowmaker. And, every, and I think three people actually stick their heads out of a jail jail cell and wolf whistle at her as she yeah. goes by. <laughs> so she ends up, um, because of so much bouncing, she actually falls and is bouncing on her bustle. <laughs> so every time she falls, she goes higher and then falls and jump goes higher. Mm-hmm. Pecosville tries to save her by trying to use a rope to round her up. He's really confident. He's just like, I because can do he, this. I mean, look at all the other crazy stuff he We're can do. We're good. But then he misses. And you can see that uh, Widowmaker, like, prevented it by, like, holding the rope back. He stepped on the rope and he's like... So she ends up bouncing so high she landed on the moon, and, and she's still there. You'd think that would have put an end to the friendship of uh, of Pecos and Widowmaker, but it doesn't because you see him standing on a mesa on Widowmaker howling at the moon. And that's why the coyotes howl at the moon. But you see what I mean, that he, he made a widow out of Pecos Bill. I know, and I just got that thing. <laughs> Um, and then we, yeah, and then it fades out. Bye, Bobby Driscoll. Bye, Luana Daniels. Bye, Roy Rogers. Bye, fake cowboys. <laughs> bye, Trigger. Bye, Blue Shadows. Bye, Melody Time. I enjoyed this. I did too. Now, uh, shall I tell you about, uh, its success and all that? Yeah, tell me about the crazy stuff. I want to know how it did. Okay, first off, uh, the budget was 1.5 million. Okay. They made back um one million eight hundred and fifty thousand dollars. So it actually made money back. Oh wow. Not a ton more, but uh how it, it now I would say it basically kinda got mixed reviews. Mm-hmm. Uh some were like it's well received, but then its main criticism was that the film are each segment is not of equal quality and impact. That's true. Yeah. But that's also true of the other the, uh, that was also true of Make Mine Music, though. Yeah. Now, they said, like, Johnny Appleseed and Pecosville has received the most praise. Uh-huh. Because they loved the story. They loved the animation. Mm-hmm. But, like, some of the others they weren't too fond of. They thought Trees was boring. Trees wasn't boring. No. I actually... Trees did not bore me at all. Trees ended with another uh, Christ allegory, by the way. Oh, yeah. Just fun fact. So, I mean, remember when, how beautifully that was... Remember how beautifully that was done in Fantasia? Yeah. With Ave Maria. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Trees felt like it was kind of trying to do that a little bit at the end. And like, you, I've seen it. So. <laughs> uh, and then um, they did, although praise it mostly for its technical achievements. Oh, yeah. And they do agree it's definitely highly creative and memorable. Uh, it's true. But they said some of these are, some of it felt like filler. Like Little Toot is good filler. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I just have a soft spot for boats. Uh <laughs> I think like um the uh I didn't wow, I don't really have a least favorite with this one, to be honest. There's not I don't either. There's not one I was like bored by or um I mean if if I was gonna say which one I like the least, I would put 
probably trees at the last, but that's, but that's a, that's a hard thing to say because I liked it. Like, I genuinely mm-hmm. liked it a lot. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like, I also like the others. Like, I liked Once Upon a Winter Time, too. It's not... I have really fond memories of Once Upon a Winter Time. That one stuck out to me. I, I like the um, Bumblebee one, too. I liked Johnny Appleseed. I like Blame It on Samba. Blame It on the Samba was, I think, my second. Actually, as I'm thinking about them now, uh, Pecos Bill is up there. Uh, Blame It on the Samba is probably my favorite. I would I say Pecos Bill is my favorite, with Blame It on the Samba is my second. Mm-hmm. And then uh, third is either, I want to say either Johnny Appleseed or Bumble Boogie. Those are good choices. Yeah. I don't really uh, know. It's but, hard. They're all, they are, again, yeah, I can see what people criticize about quality, but overall, I think the, the whole thing, it's sick. I enjoyed this more than I did Fun and Fancy Free. Absolutely. So. I, like, each piece, I, it was, it kept me going. I love the music. The music is actually really, um, it, it fits well with each piece. I know some people are like, well, the quality's not as good, and they're all very different in terms of quality, but I don't see it as, like, one's less, has less quality than the other. I see it as more of a variety. Like, again, he gave him more free reign with the animation, and each animation style is very different in each piece, mm-hmm. and it gives it its own feel. Yeah. Not only that, the animation for each piece makes sense for what each piece was trying to do. Exactly. And so the strength of it comes from the variety. Yeah. Which I think is what what works for this one. And uh, I think it's a great way to kind of start easing our way out of the package films because now we're five films deep. There's only one more and then we move back into the the proper feature stories. I'm so excited. And actually, I'm really happy about our last one because it's uh, uh, Mr. Toad and Ichabod. That's right. Uh, this was, it's a, it's, it's two shorter movies put together into a longer feature. And, uh, and I have fond memories of both of these in particular. Same. Sleepy Hollow. Um, which I think I watched for the first time outside of that. But we'll, we'll talk about our memories of, of that film when we get around to it next month. In the meantime, I want to say thank you so much for joining us once again for Animusings. Whether you're this is your first time listening or if you've been with us for the past, uh, what? Oh, uh, it's ten, been- ten films as of this episode. Yeah, this is our we're, tenth episode. we're almost coming up to a year. That's crazy. I know, right? Right. Well, I mean, it, it's a nice thing. It's easy to keep track of. So Cinderella will be marking our one-year anniversary of this podcast. That'll be awesome. Yeah. Uh, I'm glad we've done this. I've learned a lot in the process, and I feel like we're going to learn a lot more as we move forward. Oh, yeah. I feel like I've learned more also not just about the animation history itself, but, like, the history of America and how it's connected to what's going on at the time. Yeah, the time periods really do reflect how, like, people were receiving the, the films and the media that they were they were absorbing at the time. It's really interesting. Victory Through Air Power was definitely one that put that a lot of that into perspective. Oh, yeah. And then so did, like, uh... I would say um, Three Caballeros and uh, uh, Saludos Amigos. Too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so if you are if you're enjoying what you hear, hey, feel free to leave us some feedback. Uh, any any uh, ratings and reviews you could leave on uh, iTunes or Apple Podcasts, whatever they call it now, uh, would be greatly appreciated just to help get people to notice it. Obviously, word of mouth is the best way to spread it. So if you like this show, share it with people. Get people to listen to it. We're just doing this for fun. Like, this is just something Kayla and I are doing because we enjoy doing it. Mm-hmm. But, um, I mean, if you think there's other people who will enjoy it, then, I mean, why, why not share it? And if you want to interact with us a little bit, we do have a couple places where you can reach us uh, via social media. Uh, you can reach us at Pod on Twitter. And you can each reach us uh, separately. Um, I'm at Canary Tea Robot. And I'm at Scary Sauce. So, yeah, feel free to reach out to us. If you also like Disney as well and want to make comments, please, we, we love talking about this stuff. And if you want us to talk about more theme park stuff, <laughs> we can be encouraged to do a park cast and find a niche. I don't know. Anyway, uh, until until next time, uh, say goodnight, Gracie. Oh, she's fast asleep. So she's already said goodnight. Aw, goodnight, Gracie. Mm.
all who come to this happy podcast, welcome. Nothing new is something new. That great poets imitate and improve. Where our small ones steal and spoil. Hi, I'm Andrew. And I'm Justin. And if it wasn't readily apparent at that, we're huge nerds about remakes. That's why we're doing the Nothing New Podcast. Once a month, we'll sit down and talk about a remake in detail and its original, covering them in whatever order they come out, from Wizard of Oz to It and beyond. They're remaking Stuart Gordon's 1986 sci-fi horror classic from beyond? Oh, no. Not yet. Oh, that's going to be a long time coming. Anyway, if that sounds up your alley, come join Justin and I, and maybe a guest or two, to explore the wonderful world of remakes, film by film. Remakes have been done forever. People talk about Scarface don't even know that was a remake. Oh, nicely said. Don't thank me. Thank Antoine Fuqua. This podcast is a part of the Benview Network. You can find this and other podcasts like it at BenviewNetwork.com.